0: Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Whatever time you're listening, thank you for the opportunity to check out the podcast. Since this is a first podcast, I'm a bit nervous, as I've never done this before. But the need to reach people feels overwhelming, and what better way way than a podcast? I've decided to create a podcast for women listeners we all seem to have a similar stories and relatable stories, and sometimes those stories help us make it through something that we're going through. This podcast is called The Story of a Somebody. It's focused on women who've been in bad situations throughout their life and are still struggling with obstacles or heading in the right direction of changing their lives and are empowered to do so. Situations such as being a victim of domestic violence or sexual abuse Even situations they thought were a good opportunity but turned into disaster. We all want to live a decent life, but unfortunately we make bad decisions. Most of our decisions throughout our lives are based on instant gratification. We want what we want right now and aren't willing to set short-term goals to achieve what we are desiring or needing. Things such as making money or finding a man that seems like a good fit for us, unfortunately Those bad decisions make our lives worse than they should be. I'd like to talk about some facts of domestic violence. Not all of my facts that I researched are peer-reviewed journals or scholarly journals, but I took these facts off of websites because I liked their statistics and I liked what they had to say. It made sense. So some facts about domestic violence. Most domestic violence incidents are never reported. One in four women will experience domestic violence during their lifetime. The same number, one in four, goes for gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender individuals. They also experience domestic violence. Women ages 20 to 24 are at the greatest risk of becoming victims of domestic violence. Domestic violence is the leading cause of injury to women. More than car accidents, muggings, and rapes combined. Every nine seconds in the U.S. a woman is assaulted or beaten. Can you imagine thinking about every nine seconds that someone's getting beat up? Every year one in three women who is a victim of homicide is murdered by her current or former partner. Those sources came from a website called hope.org, and their model states creating communities free from violence and exploitation. Every year more than three million children witness domestic violence in their homes. Boys who witness domestic violence are twice as likely to abuse their own partners and children when they become adults. <clears throat> domestic violence and its impact are on our community. According to the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, domestic violence is the third pleasing cause of homelessness among families. Survivors of domestic violence face high rates of depression, sleep disturbances, anxiety, flashbacks, and other emotional distress. Domestic violence contributes to poor health for many survivors. For example, Chronic conditions like heart disease or gastrointestinal disorders can become more serious due to domestic violence. Domestic violence costs more than $37 billion a year in law enforcement, legal work, medical and mental health treatment, and lost productivity at companies. <clears throat> I'm not going to get on the impact of domestic violence that it has on children. Those were some tidbits of statistics for you. And that topic will be discussed in a future podcast. Because we know children, they see domestic violence. And they are a part of it. Another interesting article published in December 2019 for Indiana alone. Now I've pulled up stats for Indiana because I live here. And I wanted to see how close those statistics (laughs) hit home. Forgive me. Like I said, it's my first podcast, and I'm stumbling over my words a bit. (laughs) This is from FamiliesFirstIndiana.org, and they've received their statistics from Indiana Coalition Against Domestic Violence. 2,071 victims served in one day just alone in the state of Indiana. That brings down to 1,354 domestic violence victims that found emergency housing or trans- transitional housing. 717 adults and children received non-housing help, such as counseling, child support groups, and legal advocacy. 614 hotline calls were answered. Those include victims in danger, safety planning, and providing support. Domestic violence used to be a hush-hush family problem. It's more common than ever now, and it's a public health crisis in the United States. Not to mention the whole world. Another interesting statistic by state, according to Domestic Violence Intervention Program, was a list of states that have the most domestic violence issues. Alaska raised number one. 59% have experienced intimate partner violence, sexual violence, or both. It's because of the isolation in Alaska. they are 2.5 times the national average there for domestic violence. The list also includes Maine, New Mexico, Texas, Roadhouse, Vermont, and Wisconsin. People, class has nothing to do with who we are as a domestic violence victim or a survivor. The wealthiest to the poorest experience domestic violence. Ethnicity also has nothing to do with domestic violence. White, black, Hispanic, all experience domestic violence problems. And that's one reason I believe as women, we have to stick together and stop tearing each other down. We need to be building each other up because you never know what the next person is going through. So the next question is, why do women stay? Only 34% of people who are injured by intimate partners receive medical care for their injuries, and even fewer get law enforcement involved. Just 25% of physical assaults perpetrated against women are reported to the police annually. This is from the National Violence Against Women survey. They've seen women go a week with a serious injury before getting help, but why? Many fear triggering an attacker's anger or having a plan to flee is foiled, and it's no wonder. Women are 70 times more likely to be killed in the two weeks after leaving that than any other time during the relationship. This is especially true for spouses of law enforcement, and we're talking about women who are married to police officers. Multiple studies have found that 24 to 40% of police officer families experience domestic violence. Not only are the abusers friends and colleagues, the very people victims would turn to help, but the abuser is also trained to use a gun, which is, which increases the risk of homicide by 500%. You know, these police, they, they abuse their wives as well. They're trained to protect people, but they're at home abusing their own family. That's a horrible. And for the half of women who do manage to leave abusive partners, it's not easy. An estimated 90%—98%—of abused women also experience financial abuse, which that means is their partner controls all of the money. And between 21 and 60% of demilo- domestic violence victims lose their job due to issues that their abuser caused. So they may escape, but with no income and no financial resources. <clears throat> And most of the time, they have no place to go. Then there's the problem, where to go? Like I just said, the third leading cause of homelessness among families is domestic violence, according to the National Coalition for the Homelessness. We hear it as advocates over and over, why doesn't she just leave? But when you look at all of the things that are barriers to leaving, it becomes reasons why they stay because they feel like they can't get any help anywhere. What we really need to be asking is why does abuse keep happening? So here's one of my articles I said that weren't peer-reviewed journal or scholarly journal. This comes from Good Housekeeping, a magazine my mom read when I was growing up. So why do men abuse the women they love? One interesting article I've discovered that makes sense is, uh, abusers have to have control over the lives of their wives or girlfriends. The saying that abusers have anger issues is a myth because they act different at work and in public. It's an overwhelming urge to control their loved one, such as what they wear and who they talk to. That's why before they actually start using physical violence to stay in control, they are often constantly phoning and texting <clears throat> telling the person how much they love them and how much they miss them so just so they know what they're doing at all times they really don't give a shit most of the time they just want to keep them in control are you a person experiencing any of these right now do you need help with domestic violence do you need help escaping your situation i can make the facts up girls if you need to go you go Abusers do generally love the women they beat up. In fact, they are more obsessively in love with their girlfriends or wives, which makes them even more jealous and controlling. They just don't know the proper way to express it. They most likely grew up in a home where there was violence. Abusers actually blame their girlfriends for forcing them to be violent. Can you believe that? Because I can. An abuser will tell himself and his girlfriend that she provoked the violence by looking at another guy, wearing a skirt that's too short, or not cleaning up the kitchen fast enough. Women blame themselves for provoking their boyfriends. They get brainwashed into believing that they've done something wrong. It was my fault for leading him to think I was cheating. Girls, stop making an excuse. You're not doing anything wrong. If you genuinely love the person you're with and they're abusing you for stupid reasons, It's time to go. When abusers abusers apologize, it's another form of taking control. Men who abuse women can be dramatically remorseful, crying, begging for forgiveness, and promising to never become violent again. Flowers and gifts can be typical. I've heard that before myself. Please don't leave me. I won't do it ever again. But they do it again. There is no one time. Apologies can seem so genuine that an abused girlfriend gets completely seduced back into continuing the relationship. And that's true. You might leave for a day, but as soon as they are able to contact you and you allow the conversation to go on, they make it seem like they'll never do it again. They're innocent. Guys who abuse are insecure and have poor impulse control. It's weird. They can seem completely normal and stable sometimes. At work, they can present themselves as completely nice guys. It's the fear of losing their girlfriend or being unable to control her that leads to the intense outburst of rage and violence. When guys abuse, they feel entitled to do it. They believe that they have the right to use whatever means necessary to take control of the situation. If police arrive, they aren't ashamed of their behavior. They feel justified. You deserved it. You were behaving like a slut. If your boyfriend is violent, it's unlikely he will be cured. Most abusers don't get the treatment they need in order to stop. They don't want help because they believe they are right. Furthermore, the beatings are likely to escalate over time. Ask for help from your close friends, family, or a domestic abuse organization. And make a plan to leave ASAP. Ladies, I know it's tough to leave. Trust me, I know. You go back at least six or seven times before you're finally done. It's a hard process. It's not the end of the world. You can start over freshly. And furthermore, you should be praying to God. If you believe and have faith, pray, because he will help you and guide you on the right journey. So in an end note, today's first podcast, these statistics are something to think about. Do you know someone that is in a domestic violence situation or is a survivor? Do you need help like I've asked you earlier in the podcast? I'm hoping this podcast will be successful in a sense that it reaches people I know personally and the ones that I don't. I promise to give you the facts straight and to share my own personal story along with the stories of others. Stay tuned and keep checking my social media outlets for up-to-date podcasts. Since I'm just starting this podcast, I haven't really created my social media outlet yet. I'm busy working. I'm taking care of my two-year-old granddaughter. I'm taking care of my house. I'm also studying uh, full-time student online. So I have a lot of hats at my house. And I really am passionate about this project. I just am ha- getting it together slowly but surely. But uh, I will be posting those news media or social media outlets for my podcast. I actually am on a whole lot of platforms. I just haven't had time to post those yet. And uh, stay tuned for my next episode, which is going to be my own personal story. Uh, A lot of you people that know me know my own personal story, but the rest of you don't. And you might seem shocked to find out the stuff that I've been through, the trials and tribulations that I have overcome. So thank you for your support in advance and please keep tuning in.